the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and Wireworld Pro Audio. Now from the Nowcast Network Studios, here's Mike. Hey, welcome to the Audio Nowcast. My name is Mike Rodriguez, and before we get going, let me introduce the guys. Starting with the one and only Mr. Bobby Osinski. Bobby, how are you? Very well, Mike. Thanks for having me, and hello, everybody. It's so great to see you, Bobby. It's been a little bit, and there's a lot to talk about. And uh, you're always the guys, the guy with the answers, especially to a lot of the questions that I have. <laughs> Finally, we have Mr. Nick Peck. Nick. Well, good evening, Mike. Good evening, everyone. I hope you're staying cool on what is hopefully the last night of this heat wave. It's been uh, it's been quite a time here in in August of 2020. And right next to him, we've got the one and only Mr. Scott Gershon. Hi, Mike. <laughs> wow, Scott, that was actually kind of tame for you. <laughs> I'm a man of few words. <laughs> but, many, <laughs> but many, many sounds. Few That's words, true. but many sounds. <laughs> and finally, the one and only Iron Man of the Audio Nowcast. This is show 212, Mr. Rob Arbiter. Hi, Mike. Hi, everybody. Bringing the production values tonight. <laughs> Rob, that is awesome. I'm glad you got it working. That's the, oh. Tell everybody, uh, for the people that were here last week, what keyboard you're sitting in front of, because it's it, absolutely my favorite keyboard of all time. It's just dangerous to sit me in front of a keyboard, because <laughs> I will fight the urge. But yeah, this is the Oasis 88, which it's uh, 88 keys, and I think it's about 88 pounds. <laughs> That's great. Now. Now you gotta play. Come on, you gotta give us a little groove here, a little, a little, a little Stevie. Well, maybe a little like, We'll work up to that. We'll work up. Okay. To <laughs> All right. Well, you gonna you gonna play us in and play us out. <laughs> the problem is on Zoom, it just doesn't work. As soon as anybody else talks, it just crushes everything. Yeah, everybody has to be be quiet. But um, yeah, that's one of the problems about Zoom. Believe me, I'm finding out because right now uh, I basically set up. Guys, I had a little bit of time, a little sliver of time, and I said, you know what? We're not going to be around the table for a while, so let's up the uh, the video. So what, we're, what I'm planning on doing is is instead of going Instagram TV, which we're going to do, we're also going to release these on YouTube and just up the production value. So one of the cool things that I did is I put together a small little studio in my in my house so basically i've got lighting set up i've got a camera set up i'm running through the um, black magic atom and i have a bunch of monitors here's the uh here's here's my mission control i don't know if you can see it but i've got monitor here monitor here there's a little switcher audio and then i've got um i've got software control here and then i've got my playback mac here and if you know anything about me <laughs> i was just in heaven setting this whole thing up because there's nothing like like getting complex cabling and routing and just tackling it is the most efficiency now i don't know if it's the most efficient like you can do a lot of this with software but the cool thing is, is you have flexibility a ton of flexibility um and the a10 mini is pretty cool and it's not going to be a little bit longer and we're just going to be running video on that so we'll be able to go from there zoom into the to the big zoom so it'll be really kind of fun um but for instance, I don't know if you guys ever saw this, but have you guys ever seen, did you ever see the very first teaser for uh, Spaces? Mm -hmm. I'm going to play for you the very first teaser for, um, for Spaces, and it's pretty funny. 
I hated the copy they wrote, so I'm just saying words like an announcer. Audio Nowcast Spaces. We finally got one done. See, that was the very first Spaces teaser. We got a lot of really good feedback, but the fact of the matter is, is now we can just do this live. So <laughs> I'm in heaven. I got a new toy. I got a new toy. It's pretty fun. So, well, uh, let's move on. There's a couple of things I want to talk about. And um, I, oh my gosh, hold on one second. Bum, bum, bum. Hold on one second. I, I have to, I have to get, I got to get this gentleman's name correct. Okay. So remember when we were talking about plugins and I said I, my dream plugin would be a LiDAR-based um, plugin yeah. for Reverb where you use LiDAR data. Well, we actually have a listener. We actually have a listener, period. <laughs> that loan is pretty awesome. Hooray. <laughs> we actually had a listener who sent me um, – his name is Ian McGregor, and he's actually from the U.K., and – he oh. is, he is, he's See, been listening Earl? to us. Yes, yes. And are we in been, my last email I had from him, I checked, it was like uh, 2010, he had sent an email and he's just really knowledgeable. And he turned me on to this uh, company, Odeon, which has this software that's and it's oral virtualizations. Did any of you were, get a chance to, to listen to that, to the, um, to the software in the demo. If not, um, go to if you look up Odeon software and listen to the demo, it's gonna freak you out because what this software does, it's not a plugin. It's it's software that uh, acousticians use to when they're designing buildings and when they're designing studios, and it literally simulates the room that you're in. Um, just by feeding it all the specs of the room. It's incredible. And I'm not, it's not like reverb. It, it sounds real. It's scary real, you know. Um, and it just, you know, it just goes to show you how we are getting so close. I mean, I was pretty, I was pretty blown away. And I'm really, you know, I'm familiar with all the, the really cool virtualization software, like, you know, sound particles and like, um, uh, NX and uh, you know all the all the the Facebook tools for spatial audio, um, but when you listen to something um, like the Odeon software and the audio uh, virtualizations, it's just it it's literally we're so close. We are so close to doing some amazing things with audio. And the reason why I'm putting um, speaking about this right now because I know there's a like the indoors and sound is going to matter so much more as, as life goes on because, you know, there's studies out there that show if you just Google um, sound and health and you'll see how sound affects your health and how sound can affect your, your blood pressure and it just your well-being. And, and I just wanted to kind of open up because I have an idea and I want to get your guys' input on this because I, I just think there's a whole new um, industry that could be sound related. And that is um, when you buy a house or you go to commercial property, there should be some type of bioacoustical rating that you can have for your property, 
for the house because like how many times I've heard this before where people have moved into houses and they're like, wow, this is a noisier neighborhood than I thought, or, you know, the ambient sound, or you can hear the freeway and things like that. And, you know, you have the tools now to literally take your, the floor plan of whatever house you're getting built or whatever house you're going to buy and feeding it into a computer and, and literally hearing what, what the sound of the house oh. is going to be. You know, and you'll know, I mean, you're going to spend your life there. You're going to know not only what the sound can be, but you can also know what ambient sound is, what, how much leakage comes in from the outside, things like that. And I just think, why not? Why can't this be something that can happen? Um, but I just wanted to open up to you guys. What do you think? What do you think of the idea? You know? Well, you, you know, this is actually nothing new. Uh, studio designers have been telling me for quite a while that they can hear this a studio before they they build it, they could hear it just from the specs. So th this is nothing new. The other thing that isn't new that the oralization. A couple years ago, maybe three years ago, I went to the band and orchestra. Mm, there was it's not a seminar, the conference in San Antonio, and there were at least two companies that did this for schools and what that means is you could go into a, a small what's basically a vocal booth and if you're practicing practicing a horn or something you can make it sound like any environment you can make it sound like a concert hall in this small vocal booth and this was catching on so much that schools were starting to implement this in all of their rehearsal rooms so not only for, for personal rehearsal but also for band rehearsals so they could make it sound like the concert hall if they wanted and th this was um you know kind of common i was shocked yeah. I, I didn't know about it until three years ago but the, well, you know it's around they're doing I, it i went to a, a a demo for a a virtualization audio a couple of years ago when when the whole ambisonic microphones were coming out and they were and let me say it was pretty cool but the level like these guys have, I, I, I've, I, I haven't heard too many types of software that sound as good as that. And that's just so cutting edge. And if you look at the price, the price is not cheap, like $12,000, because it's not a plugin, it's software, but it's so real. And that's per people, year. That's yeah, per year. Yeah, exactly. And, and the thing is, is, um, you know, it's been around a while, so I'm wondering why can't we standardize some type of sound index? Why can't that happen? Because you're right, acousticians, they know exactly um, what something will sound like as they're designing it because they're so used to it. I did the, uh, I did the audio tour for the Walt Disney Concert Hall, and I remember sitting there um, interviewing uh, Frank Geary, and he was talking about the first time he heard the concert hall, and he, like expected because with his acoustician that he kind of knew what it sounded like but it wasn't until he actually heard the first violin with um, the conductor up and sitting in the back that how amazing that hall sounds and so i don't know i i just think with all this virtualization that's out there for all these different things i don't know there just needs to be some type of i i, I don't know sound index number or something bioacoustical footprint number that that you can use to compare different places because it's going to be important we, we, we have that it's stc sound transmission category i i um 
Hey, Mike, you're ahead of, you were, uh, ahead of your time. Or I'm you're... ahead of my time three years ago. <laughs> three to four years ago, I went to over in San Francisco or Oakland to Myers. Yeah. They have a system called the Constellation. And um, I got a personal tour. They gave it to me. And then, then it was kind of a bit of a setup. But we went into a small theater. Not small, but, I mean, a small theater theater. Um, uh, probably 15 rows, kind of like the little uh, 15 rows by, I don't know, 25, 30 seats wide. So the guy goes, let me show you something. So he just takes two claves, two pieces of wood, hits it. He says, okay, that's the room. Hits a button. Hits it again. This is all real time. All of a sudden, we're in a coliseum. And I'm like, okay. Then he started going through <clears throat> about a half a dozen different rooms. And I said, okay, because this is all happening in real time. And I said, well, that's kind of cool. You're creating kind of a reverb and acoustic environment. And, uh, and, and I understood what he was doing. I thought that was kind of cool. But still, I was like, that's kind of cool, you know, just like that. Then he goes, check this out. He goes over, hits the, uh, the two pieces of uh, wood in a big room. We now sound like we're in a closet. He made a big room sound like a small room, like a really small room. Well, that blew me away because it's easier to make something sound bigger, more reverb. Just add a reverb to it. But it's, remember, it's not just stereo. It's speakers everywhere. Yeah. <clears throat> what they're doing is they're doing all the math in real time. So now when they did a small room, they um, dealt with the acoustics, minus it out, and it put you in a small early reflection room. That I've never seen, and that's all in real time. So what's interesting in the concept of what Myers is doing with Constellation is somebody can build a performance room, and they can make it sound like any room in the world. Based on the math and the acoustics, they're reproducing it through their Constellation speaker setup. And all around the room, it's kind of like Atmos on steroids, and they have microphones everywhere in the room. So no matter where you are, it's picking up and then rebuilding the, the acoustics of the room. Do you know this, this dates back to the 1950s? Yeah. yeah. Abbey Road did this because their big Studio A didn't have a long enough reverb time. And what they did was they did it all in analog, but they, they took the, the, the reverb time up another two seconds because people, orchestras are complaining that it didn't sound like a concert hall. So this, you know, this technology, although going in reverse is tougher than, than making it bigger, I understand. But uh, again, the Weigand is the, the one I, th I can think of. The, and now this is a, a, a manufacturer that's known for making like um, grandstands for, for auditoriums. They make chairs and they have this technology. That's what they're selling. When I just visited, the, uh, just quickly, when I visited Bob Weir's uh, recording studio about 10 years ago, he had a Meyer system in there and it was within the rehearsal space so that he could have, you know, folks come and they could practice um, and it would sound like the Grateful Dead on stage, right? It was exactly the same idea. So rather than a, uh, you know, rather than a sound design kind of thing, it was to allow him to be able to have 
something closer to a, a performance environment that and it may have been the constellation system might have been or yeah. or a predecessor to it's got i know yeah. that it was meyer because of course it was marin and you yeah. know and meyer sound was has been a big uh, they've been connected to the grateful dead for a long time so sure I, it was it sounded great it was really cool so I, I, I mean myers does some amazing stuff yeah I think we should take all this technology that's out there that ex has existed and standardize it so that I want to go on Zoom. And when I'm looking for a house, I want to be able to go into Zoom, not only look, take a virtual tour of, of the house, but take a virtual audio tour. Click on a room. Let's see what the, what the sound sounds like. Let's see what mm. the den sounds like. Let's see what this sounds like, just as a, as a reference. Here's the problem. Here's the problem, Mike. Um, the problem is that when you're talking about small rooms, you know, something that's a bedroom or a 10 by 10, I literally was dealing with this today um, in terms of recording somebody, you know, a remote recording thing in, in, in a bedroom. The materials that are going to be in the room are going to massively change the sound of the room itself. And so if you're just examining and saying, oh, I see what, you know, what are the modes of a room that's 10 by 12 by this? It doesn't matter. Sorry, yeah, what, Rob? You have to put furniture in. And, exactly, and, yeah. but, exactly. But, but see, that's the thing. That's the, what great, the great thing about like the Odeon software is it takes into account surfaces. It takes into account, I mean, this stuff already exists. These guys, does, you know, they can give you a sound print for giant, you know, office buildings and things like that. So that's what I mean. You, when you, it's not just hearing the reverb. You want, you want to hear what it sounds like. You take this technology, you, you know, plaster walls with, furniture and you have a furniture set up with a with a carpet that's the only way you're 100 percent. the only way it's going to work is if you can change all the variables is it wood is it plaster is it stone what's the floor like what's that that but see that's all important and if we can get there why can't why can't it be i think it sounds like a very interesting technology experiment that a teeny weeny weeny little slice of the population would appreciate because I don't like, like, I, one of the prerequisites, like, I don't mind a house of size, but I don't like houses that are reverb. Like, I don't want to walk in here, clackety, clackety, you know, and, and it's echoing. For me, I find that very disturbing. It feels cold. I like rooms that have a nice warmth to them and don't have a lot of echo because I can add it, but I can't right. get rid of it. Yeah. Well, I yeah. think, see, and I think that's a perfect example of how this could, could, I think if, if it could get standardized and obviously, you know, it's, it's somewhere down the road, but if people could literally experience on a, you know, on an RO level, um, these places, as opposed to just seeing them, like Scott, well, he, you know, he's going to buy a new house and you can play back, you know, what the foyer sounds like. And, and I just think it's something that if it was available, it would catch on. It's not going to catch on right now because nobody knows about it. But I think if it becomes available, I think it would be something that, that people would want and people would want to use. I think there's a cost to it though. Cause you talk about materials. I mean, even if we go back to the acoustics of the studios, which is uneven parallel, unparalleled walls. So you have something that's got a lot of diffusion. So that's why a lot of studios are wooden rock in the, in the rooms to basically do, you need all these kinds of weird materials. Also the, the only thing that would make this go mainstream is like, let's say a real estate agent could send you, you know, now they send you a 3d walkthrough for a house to see, especially during right. the pandemic. Cause you can't go there. If you could on your phone, like put in your earbuds and on your phone, walk through the house and say, hello, 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 and actually hear each room as you're in it. But you'd have to still give it away for free. Like no one's buying this except maybe the real estate company. But if you could do a walkthrough of the house, 
and actually hear you and your family like all doing a walkthrough simultaneously using AR or VR actually and hear each other talking, like have a conversation in your new kitchen, have a conversation in your new living room. I don't think anybody would pay a penny for it, but it'd be pretty cool. I think yeah. a much more relevant thing in terms of real estate um, is, uh, is, is how much sound is coming in from the outside and how much, sign is, how much sound is going out from the inside. So let's say, for example, um, you were a family and you were buying a, a condominium. It would be super useful to know um, how much the neighbors would hear if you guys are in a screaming fight, for example. So one like of that. the things they do have, though, good test and, and, and I've done that in some of my rooms at the house, and we found this, it, it's, it's, it's way cheaper than acoustics. Like the moment you say the word, I'm looking for studio material acoustics, the price triples. What you can get is actually at a fraction of the price is there are construction companies that build houses that are next to airports. So they have four pane glass. They have materials that are totally built in um, that automatically know there's a noise floor because you live near an airport. So they start automatically building mm. and it's not under the studio. So I've gone in and, and like my some of my windows are four pane. Some of the windows are quiet rock. You know, all of a sudden it's got vinyl built into the drywall. Now, all of a sudden, there's all these interesting materials, which aren't studio materials, but they're construction materials. They're all online and saying, how do I make my my house quieter for outside noise? So you Again, this, this, it's standard. It's called STC. Yeah. You look at the STC rating for whatever material, and it will tell you how... Uh, um, how good it is at isolating things. You, and for instance, walls in the studio, it's STC's rated in dB. If you have a normal stud wall with um, you know sheetrock on, on either side, like you have in most apartments, for instance, that's about a twenty-nine. A studio is about a sixty-five, and that's tough to get because you find that all of a sudden then you're doing a room within a room you're doing big air spaces things like that you're doing um uh double layers of sheetrock and every time you add sheetrock another layer you're getting another 3 db essentially of of isolation but this has been around forever and if you look at any material there's always an stc rating that'll tell you all this i just think i think that's fantastic and and i think technology that we have now and some of the new digital technologies, I don't know. I just, somewhere down the road, sound is going to get the respect. <laughs> well, one of the things that I thought was fascinating, <laughs> I went to NAB, it was about two or three years ago. And uh, at that time, Nippon, basically the Japanese uh, broadcast company, they had a speaker format that wasn't Atmos, but it was their own. And they said it was 22 speakers. And I'm like, and I'm like, I don't see them around me. They go, no, all around the TV. And they got these giant 100-inch TV. And there's a panel all the way around. And it's filled with speakers. And they're doing all of these HRTF, phase align, things that sounds like it's coming from behind you. They're not using a sound bar. The whole TV all the way around, 22 speakers worth, are calibrated to be able to do the same thing that a speaker bar in the United States does. 
That's that's fantastic. Which reminds me of some of the technologies that that have where the actual screen is the speaker, and then they they have different zones within the screen that will admit the sound. That that to me is amazing. Rob, were you going to say something? Uh, I was just going to say, can we consider this topic covered and move on? <laughs> yes, yes, we can. Are you uh, going to? <laughs> I'm just going to add one more thing though. Um, this is a this is a picture of. This is Blackbird's, this is their Atmos um, room over at Blackbird Studios. And one of the best recordings, the, the scariest virtual reality, audio reality thing that I ever heard is there's like 22 speakers there and they put a mic by every one of those speakers and then they had a live performance happen. And then, uh, so they're recording the mics at where the speakers are. And then when you play it back, it's it's the most realistic rendering of of environmental audio I've ever heard. Like you literally think that people are in the room with you because of the way it was recorded and the playback in the in the whole Atmos. It was it was truly phenomenal. So I don't know. By, by the way, that, that's a George Massenberg design. That's a full diffusion room. It's yeah. a it's full 3D diffusion. And only George would come up with something like that. It's really expensive <laughs> because each one of those blocks are are tuned. And they're custom made, so it's extremely expensive to do. Yeah, you're not doing that at home. Yeah. No, you're not. It's and and no two no two sticks are like are supposed to, supposedly the same length. And when you're in there and when you listen to that to that place, it, it sounds like you're outside since it's diffusion. It's just you don't get any reflections. It's really it's really kind of cool. It's really kind of kind of really cool. Anyhow, yes, Rob, we'll move on. <laughs> hey Rob. How are you doing? You speaking of you, have you have you worked up to a little bit of groove, a little bit of something? Come on, we need to bring bring back people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got to put up a tip jar. Start yeah, exactly. I don't actually. The problem is there's no way to uh, like call up sounds in advance and even know like I'm about to hit a key. I have no idea what sounds about to come out. Uh, well, we'll tell you. Five and but it has no... So do you guys hear that? Yes. Yep. We need to all mute ourselves so there's no way that any noise in our in our from our microphones will uh, interrupt. Yeah, but there's uh, the problem is there's supposed to be a wah wah pedal and I'm not hearing it. And someone just got an email. <laughs> what do you guys want to hear? You want to hear anything in particular? A little, little uh, superstition. Higher ground. Take your pick. Let me see. Let me see one quick thing here. While you're, while you're, uh, you're, while you're finding the sound, just so you know, when we were on the road, Rob would play Stevie's sound checks. Stevie wouldn't show up, and he would nail it each and every time. He was. It was so funny to hear people's reactions to Rob because Rob would, you know. Let's face it, Rob just, you know, when he shows up, you, you know, people are thinking he's the accountant. <laughs> They're not thinking he's this amazing <laughs> keyboard player. And he goes, he sits behind the keys and he just kills it. And it was just amazing. It, I actually didn't hear Rob. Rob was my boss when I first started working for Stevie. And I actually didn't hear Rob play the keyboard until the very first sound check because, um, we were, everything was kind of pre-wired at that time. Those are our old rig. And so he showed me how to set it up, but he actually, you know, Stevie came in and did the rehearsals and everything. So there was no soundtrack. When I saw Rob sit down at the piano and uh, at the keys and play the very first soundtrack, we were actually uh, overseas 
And it was, let me just say the respect factor for Rob went from here to like up here. It was like, I lost it again. <laughs> I was uh, going to say last week when I did the superstition thing, was that on the podcast or was that after? I don't remember. It was after. Oh, after. I can, I'll show, I'll show that. I'll show people what the secret of superstition is with the two parts. Excellent. Okay. So right now the Oasis refuses to be a Wawa, which I'm sure will start working as soon as we're done the podcast. But so the secret to superstition, everybody knows the clavinet part to superstition. And the part that everybody thinks they know is the one that goes. Right. That's the main part. But what people don't realize, because if you just play that, it doesn't sound like the record. There's something missing. And that's because there's a second clavinet part that goes like this. And so if you play them both at the same time, you're better than me because I can't play them both at the same time. It's physically impossible. But that's the secret to superstition. Uh, Rob, I have a question about that, if perhaps you know. Do you think that when Stevie was writing it, that he heard those two parts as interlocking, or was it like more of a way to solve a problem over what, overall in terms of what he was trying to hear? No, the way he writes, he's just very in the moment, and whatever happens to come out of his fingers is cool. So no, I'm sure, I'm sure he wrote the main part first and then was just jamming along with it. So cool. Uh, and... Yeah, that, that stuff just flows out of his fingers. And if you try to like ask him how'd you do that, he couldn't tell you. <laughs> it just he just does it. Oh, I wish I had uh, there's another sound I want I have in my head that I want to call up, but we'll do it next time. I'll load it in event. Well, see, I, I I'm loving this uh this rob behind the keyboards, man. This adds a whole new look at we got switchers going, we got video going, <laughs> we got keyboards <laughs> going. Uh what can we do that's better than Zoom, though? <laughs> yeah. That, that I'm looking for. That I'm looking for. Bobby. Source Connect. Yeah? Yeah. Can, can we do all this Source Connect? Yeah. Video and audio like this? Well, the video gets pricey, but audio you can do it for free, and it's amazing. It's amazing. Well, we're going to have to. How many can you have? How many sources and destinations? Do you know? For track, isn't it? For free, uh, I did one a couple weeks, actually with one of the developers who had me on a podcast, and there were six of us from all over the world, and it sounded like we're all in the same room. Wow. Yeah, oh. Source Connect is actually, it's it's kind of the remote standard other than ISDN, right? I mean, yeah. so it's it's pretty cool. And it's scary that the, the quality is scary. Well, it's broadcast quality because, you know, when I was mixing over at uh, the other place, I, you know, we would do that all the time. You just have to have a, a crazy solid good connection, right? You have to have Ethernet. Source Connect requires an Ethernet connection into your computer. Mm -hmm. Well, we're going to have to check out Source Connect. And I, I, yeah, I'm looking for a really good um, software solution so that I can have multiple people coming in. And also being able to monitor yourself is super important. Even if I have to use Sunflower or something to jack into it to get monitoring back in, um, that is really helpful to be able to monitor yourself. And unfortunately, Zoom doesn't allow you to do that. Um, so we'll see what happens. But there is a lot of technology out there that, that is going to do that. Hey, um, I, we're going to move on. And I wanted to talk to you about something that a lot of people um, that we should talk about because I think it's going to help people as they work. And that's 
Um, so I don't know how to put this, but I want to put it out there for you guys. Um, so I'm working on some music and I decided to hire some outside help to help with the music. And um, I sent out, a, I heard a bunch of demos and I sent out a bunch of stuff. And I was amazed at after the initial um, contact, how many people waited a long time before they got back to me, you know? And when I mean a long time, like over a day. And and these were references that I had. So it's not like, it's not like it was just cold. They should be expecting phone calls and should be expe expecting emails like that. And then a couple of these, uh, a couple of these people, they knew what my budget was because when I was talking to the person who set, who set this up, you know, I told them what the budget was and they, <laughs> they responded and then they wanted to, uh, change the price of, of what was expected. And it was just doing some scratch vocals. So it wasn't anything kind of crazy. Um, and I was just amazed at like how flaky a lot of these people were as opposed to, and then the ones that came back, man, they were just on the ball. And I'm like, I would use those guys in a heartbeat. And, and, you know, we all work with musicians and we all work with people uh, outside our own little sphere. And I'm just like, I was really blown away. I, I just at the at the the laissez-faire attitude and the fact that they just weren't on the ball. Am I expecting too much <laughs> this time of COVID, or is it like is that the way it is, or did I just happen to hit just like six people that were just just having bad days at the same time? You also wonder during COVID, like what else do they have to do? <laughs> yes, well, exactly. I think exactly. half of winning is just showing up, you know, and if you're not, if, if you're not gonna, if you're, if you're in it to actually be serious about it and that's, and, and your, your, your benefit to other people is that you, you know, you are doing extremely rapid turnaround of uh, audio of some sort, then you have to be on it. I mean, we do castings all the time and I get off, I get auditions from half a dozen people back inside of a day and it happens all the time but they're all professional voiceover actors yeah. and things like that. Right. There just seems to be a really high flake factor. Like I'm used to working with flakes. I mean, raise your hand if you've worked with the flake before, <laughs> you know, I, I I'll tell you the worst flake I ever worked with. I was going on tour. It was for a New York band. We hired another keyboard tech and he quit. He quit the day we were supposed to fly out. Nice. So, talk about flake. Like I, I didn't understand that at all. Like how can you go through all that? But it just seems to be like a really high flake factor. And, and I don't know, I, I wish there was, I wish we had an index for flakes for people. <laughs> there is, you know, there's reputations. I, you know, I work with people, I'll work with people once. And if they don't, you know, if they don't bring it, they're not going to be my first call next time. Mm -hmm. It's just the law of the land. There's like, you know, I just find I, I, it just surprised me. And I don't know, anybody have any other stories about people flaking on you? Just <laughs> totally let you down at the last minute. You don't have to name names, obviously, but like that was crazy uh, when we lost the keyboard tech on the day we were supposed to fly out. That was just, that was insane because that made my job so much I harder. Once hired a, I mean, DJs are kind of notoriously flaky, but we once hired a DJ for a session and it was for something, I think it was for, CBS television, whatever it was, it was like a big deal. And we had some of the clients actually come to the studio and this DJ was supposed to do a bunch of overdubs and he just 
didn't show up and didn't call and didn't anything just mm. didn't show up. So imagine you have a session book, you have clients sitting there, you're expecting talent and they just never showed up. And, and that can- you know what I did that night? I went and bought turntables and a mixer and taught myself <laughs> to DJ and have never had to deal with the DJ like that again. It was <laughs> I have all these executives sitting there looking at me and I'm like, I don't know. I hired the guy. He's on his way over. Never. And not only will you would you never hire him again, but anyone you know who asked you about him, you would tell them never to hire him again too. Well, yeah, but I did even more. I taught myself so I would never have to hire anyone again. Like the entire industry lost me as a customer because of one mega flake. But then I found out from other producers later, like it's just kind of a notorious thing in LA. So if you're a good DJ in LA and you're not a flake, you can make a ton of money. And there are some, there are some really great ones. There's nothing worse than having to rely on a, on a key component, you know, or person and then have that key component or person fail on you, you know, cause that just, that's like, that just puts you in such a crazy, crazy spot. You well, know, sometimes on tour with Stevie, he wouldn't show up, but it's hard to fire the boss. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he would show up when it mattered, when the show mattered. But you know what? I did a movie where, and I, I won't say who the person is and what the movie is, but, um, the person was a lead actor or actress in this project. So we went to ADR them. They never showed. We did that five times where we had the director, producers, everyone's waiting. They don't show. So then they finally said, this is getting silly. And then the person kept saying, oh, my voice is off. I, you know, they just came up with excuses every time, but they never said, you know, where are they? They, they never called. So finally, that person said, look, I'm, I'm giving an award at the MTV Awards. I'm going to be in New York. We'll do it then. Okay. So everybody flew to New York and, uh, uh, and basically waited. And that person did not show up. And they finally called that person and said, where are you? And they went, oh, I'm not doing the MTV Awards. I'm still in LA. <laughs> As everybody's in New York. <laughs> and then lawyers got involved. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the worst. It's the worst. I, you know what? I found though, I recorded a, a lot of, I recorded a lot of celebrities and generally, you know, they're in the booth because they're pretty cool. There's not too many, you know, there's a couple of them that were a little, you know, semi flaky, but nobody ever flaked out. I'll tell you the, the, the one, um, person that I worked with consistently and she was the biggest sweetheart and she was just so professional. And that was Angela Lansbury. And I would record all these voiceovers for this charity that she was involved in. And we would do it once a month. And Angela Lansbury was like, she was always there beforehand. She knew her stuff and she was so pleasant. And it just was just, she was, you know, it's truly, you know, she was just as great and as amazing as you would think she would be. And it was really, really cool. So it's great when you work with people that are professional and not flakes. But yeah, I was just, I was just surprised. And I wanted to mention that because that just, you know, if you're out there and you're hunting for work, just show up, just be good. Just don't flake. It's so great. Did you, uh, has anyone uh, seen the documentary on, on Disney plus about Howard Ashman called Howard? Have you guys seen that yet? Mm -hmm. So, so Howard, uh, you know, he was uh, one of the great lyricists uh, in the Disney pantheon and he, you know, wrote the lyrics for, um, 
for Beauty and the Beast and for Little Mermaid and for Aladdin, and then he passed. And they just had this incredible um, video footage in there of the full orchestra recording um, uh, Beauty and the Beast with Angela Lansbury in one booth and Jerry Orbach as Lumiere in the other booth. She was the she was the teapot, and it was astounding to hear their their performance and hear how amazing they were. And could you imagine the pressure of doing that live with a whole orchestra behind I, you? And she just brought it. She was amazing. Yeah, it's 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 incredible. It is truly truly incredible. And she is such a such a sweetheart. Well, hey, listen, we're gonna we're gonna start to wrap this up early, but um, I wanted to open up uh, before we go and to see uh, if anybody was working on anything uh, that they want to talk about. And and I wanted to ask you guys now that we've been in COVID for a while, um, have you found any positive things about being able to work in your new workflow? I mean, there's a lot of negatives, obviously, not being able to work with people. But I wanted to, I wanted to open it up. If you guys have found any positive things that you're like, oh my gosh, I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with this. I think I'm gonna. This is something that I can incorporate more and more. Uh, and I'll start with you, Nick. I know you're busy all the time. Well, I'm, I'm busy a lot. I mean, I think it's more inside my heart than you know than the actual circumstances of the thing. I think by uh, spending less time in the car. And by spending less time with other, you know, with other things, even though some of those things were really important and I miss them terribly, um, it's given me more creative energy to sit in the studio. And so, you know, I've, I've got the commercial stuff that I'm doing at Disney all day. And then at night, I still have all this creative energy. I, uh, I bought a, I, Scott, I see you have one there too. I bought a Strymon Big Sky and a Strymon Timeline. And I plugged my Buchla easel into them. And it is like the ambient, thing the ambient king of all time and i love it and i've been recording that and i've been doing a bunch of new under the big tree videos i started a series on all the individual uh all the individual modules for my serge modular which i don't think anyone else has done on the net and so it's given me the time to be able to do those little creative things that aren't for anything other than because they're bringing you know one little teeny tiny hairline bit of beauty into the world right so so that's been the, that's been the benefit that I found. Rob, what about you? For me, it's actually been a little weird. You know, with the projects I'm working on right now, I'm dealing with teams in LA, but I'm also dealing with teams right now in New York, Thailand, and Sydney, Australia, and Ukraine. And so every day I'm talking to all of these locations. And I was working with some of these same people before the pandemic and the the LA team when I'd be in person with them or the New York team, when I'd be in person with them, sort of the priority of what I was working on would go to those people because I was actually sitting in a room with them. And now with the pandemic, it's like the playing field has been leveled. So I've actually been sending way more stuff to Sydney that I would have used to have like, you know, under our roof in, in LA or whatever. It's, it's sort of leveled the playing field where it matters less where people are and you end up thinking, especially if you're working with teams, you end up prioritizing things differently because it doesn't matter. Someone could be next door. I'm still never going to see them, you know, because I'm just not going, going anywhere. Um, so I've actually been finding that I've been relying on people around the world a lot more because it doesn't matter that they're around the world. I, I wish they could all be with me. Like, it's still better if everybody was just under one roof. But if they can't be under one roof, you know, I, I'm now about to interview a team in Israel to do some some DSP work. And 
it's just kind of cool that 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 a lot of the sort of fear of doing international work, at least in my own life, has kind of gone away. Rob, I have one question for you along along those lines, which is what uh, is what what do you feel about the work life balance situation when you're talking to people, you know, at all hours of the day and night, right? That's the one thing is that you're talking with people in different time zones. Well, I think some of you can test to this. I've never, ever one day in my life had a work-life balance. So I'm the wrong one to ask. I mean, I love what I do for work. And that's kind of all I do, except for going to the gym, which I'm not doing now during the pandemic. But I am one of those people who's happy to wake up at work and then go to sleep at work 20 hours later. I... So I, I've never been a work-life balance kind of guy. I will say that the people I'm working with, especially the teams in Ukraine and Sydney, who all do have spouses and families and kids and everything, they are not, they're not dealing with the balance well. And it's something we've had to work on because the truth is, if you're working for me, I don't expect anybody to work the insane hours that I do, but if I have you for eight hours a day, I need you for eight hours a day. And that means you're not also babysitting. Like if, if you were going to be leaving the house to go to work, I need that time from you. Just because you happen to be home doesn't mean you're not at work. And, you know, I'm trying to run multiple businesses that have expectations from investors and customers and everything else. So my investors and customers don't want to hear that you're babysitting because you happen to be at home. If I can't get you for eight hours a day, that means you're not giving me what I need. So I've, I've actually found that it's been very hard. Some, some of the people I work with have no problem. They've got it sorted. It usually has to do with they have a separate office in the house that they basically lock the door for a few hours. Uh, and I don't even need you for eight hours in a row. I don't care what time anybody works because we're all on such crazy timelines. Like right. there is no way I could ever have a conference call with all the people I'm working with at the same time. It's just not... Mm -hmm physically possible on the planet. But as long as everybody gives me eight hours at some point throughout the day, I'm good. But I'm, I'm finding some people have a hard time doing that. And it's a personal discipline thing. Some people are meant to go into a, an office or a facility. Huh. Bobby O, how about you? You're always busy, brother. Yeah, I'm sorry to say nothing has changed as far as my workflow. It's exactly the same. <laughs> I love that. Bobby's my hero. <laughs> you, you are my hero. How about you, Scott? How about your your workflow? Yeah, well, uh, it's totally different because uh, you know I'm a crew pack animal. Um, so you know the concept of working at home. A couple people had recommended it years ago and said you should do this and we give you the opportunity. And I'm like, not interested at all. So now I don't have a chance, a choice. It's actually going really well. Um, sort of, uh, similar to, uh, uh, to Rob. Um, I think this may be my 15th zoom meeting today. Uh, I started today uh, talking to Israel. Uh, I talked to Europe cause I have an international company and I, uh, right before this meeting minutes before I finished with Japan. Um, so I'm constantly speaking to many, many clients. Uh, I actually have everybody jokes um, surrounded by one uh, six different video monitors um, and some are dedicated to do nothing but social networking like a telephone I go but and I'm speaking to somebody on FaceTime zoom hangouts teams 
I've got it all. So I found a way to make it work. Um, I do love not commuting, no doubt. The um, my out, I'm less stressed in certain ways in that sometimes I start my day at 11 and I'm working until two in the morning. It's, 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 so the hours are very fluid. Um, I find my lunches are shorter. You know, when you go with, with guys, oh, with that, take an hour and a half lunch. Mate, we're really take a two hour lunch. Now lunch is 15 minutes. You go out, go to the kitchen, grab a sandwich, do that. And you go back in. Um, the bad part is, you know, uh, I'll watch TV with my wife and then I'll go, Hey, I have an idea. I'll go back in the studio. Then you go back in. And what I find is it's pretty much work, eating, sit outside when there's not fires and pretty much work and sleep. So the discipline of being able to divide it is uh, challenging. My son's a you know, teenager. So, I even even if I was working out, I'd only see him thirty, you know, fifteen minutes a day. Um, but uh, so it's an interesting. I kind of like it, kind of hate it. I miss people at restaurants. Other than that, though, I think I'm I'm way more effective and getting way more done than I've ever gotten done. Oh, one last thing. Sorry, the big thing I love, which I do love, is when you're in a facility it seems like everybody would be knocking and coming into my room about every 30 minutes. So you could never get a flow going. You'd be like, what, 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 what do we do? What? So you, you, you sometimes they need that concentration and that's easy to get at home. I read an interesting article yesterday, um, which relates to all of this and everything that you just said, Scott, um, which is about the lack of ritual that is part of the dividing line, right? In between um, the driving, the, the relaxing, and the wearing work clothes, and you know all of those things. And the result of that is that we're always on, and it just turns into this mushy, blurry thing. And it yeah, sounds but like it it's also, Robin. It know. also shows you how much time we waste with those rituals. Because totally, you can get, so much, you can get yeah. so much more done when you're not worried about them. I feel the same way about traveling. Like I used to live on a plane. I would travel, you know, 150 thousand miles a year, maybe flying and I had a full life set up in New York and a full life set up in, in Florida and a full life set up in LA. And I would sometimes go to you know, Australia and China and Hong Kong and all these places. And it was all great, but I'm still working with all those exact same people. It's, it's sad not to be seeing them in person for a while, but the truth is we're getting so much more done because so much of the travel and the ritual, yeah. it takes up so much time and yeah, it's fun time sometimes, but. Uh, so for you guys that like, Bobby and Rob, I know you guys sometimes, well, Rob, I know you travel a lot, but, um, so the thing is what I find is if, if you ever wonder, like if you had to be with a team on Mars and you can never leave your, your habitat, um, I kind of get an appreciation of what that might be like. Cause it'll be like, my wife would be like, Oh, I got to go get gas in the car. Or I got to get dog. I got to pick up something. I'm like, I'll come with you. <laughs> I need to leave the habitat. And just for 15 minutes, <laughs> see that there's a world outside. I'd be fine on Mars as long as there was good internet. That, that would not be <laughs> at all. I'll tell you one thing, um, you know, which kind of kind of piggybacks on what you're saying about having to get out. Like for me and my workflow, I'll be honest, I had a hard time adjusting because, I mean, 
I'll be to play a little teaser at the end, but I, I was all about going out and seeing studios and filming around the world and going out. And I got a lot of inspiration from, from being out. So for me, it was hard to find sources of inspiration because I gotta, I gotta get inspired. I'm a very inspired working type of a person. If I, if I'm working on a project and I'm not inspired and, and it, there's nothing that can, can spark it. I, it's that to me is almost, worse than not having it because then you're you're slugging through something and you just don't have that creative that creative mojo to hit it um thankfully i've, I've gotten really good at being able to to discern projects of what i want to get involved in and what i don't want to get involved with um but it was really hard for me to find inspiration because i i remember i used to do a two-hour drive into hollywood because I, I live in south orange county so it would take me two hours every day to drive to work and it would take me an hour to drive home because I've come home so late and I missed for the longest time I missed that commute because I had two hours to do nothing but to look at the world around me and then just to be inspired and to play you know play music and, and make phone calls and it was like two hours and now you know when you're home and you don't have that 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 alone time you don't have that and you don't see anything it was really hard but I will say that I've kind of shifted because, you know, if you start deep diving on, on like social media, you know, if you go to some Instagram accounts where they're posting pictures and just looking at wonderful things and you look at it on your computer, not on your phone. Okay. Not your phone is tiny, but get some of those tiny pictures on a big screen. Some of them are pretty amazing. And it just, I don't know, I just look looking at wonderful things. And it really, for me, it made a difference. Um, and so one change that I did is on like Instagram and some of the stuff that I really like, I'll I'll go to, you know, to the web and I'll watch it on my computer or I'll blow it up under the this giant screen behind me. Cause it's there's some really cool detail that you lose on your tiny phone. And a lot of people do this and they don't realize that there's so much more to that image. And I so it's just trying to find a a new place for that kind of inspiration now that we, we can't drive and do all that kind of stuff. I just think it, it, if you guys follow anybody and you really like their art and you really like their pictures, try looking at, at a big screen. It, it's, you're only going to like it even more. You're going to like it even more. All right, gang. Well, Hey, this is a fun podcast and uh, we're, you know, we're trying a lot of new things. So it'll be really cool to see how this develops. Um, before we go, anybody want to plug anything that they're working on? Um, or can plug anything that they're working on? Yeah, I'm working on a new book. Hey. Oh, what book? Oh. It's the Mixing Engineer's Handbook Workbook. It's a workbook for that goes uh, goes along with the Mixing Engineer's Handbook. That's fantastic. Like, what kind of, what, what like kind of things are going to be in it? I'm sorry? What? Say it again, Mike. I was going to say, what kind, of, what kind of projects are you going to have in the, in the workbook? Well, it's for beginners, so it's basically taking them through how to make things sound good and how to make things sound bad, because I think that's part of it. So it's like, I'll take them down a road where it will just sound terrible. And it's like, well, here's why. <laughs> that's cool. I'm looking forward to, to that. I think that's really great. Anybody else want to plug anything? Not at the moment. Okay, so before we go, I'm going to play this teaser for you because I'm. It's we're probably about three to four weeks away from it coming out, but I'm working on this mega episode of Spaces, and I was going to cut a brand new teaser, and then I realized, you know what? I did a teaser 
for uh, an episode we released last May, and I'm going to play it again. And so this is, uh, it has all the places that are going to be incorporated in the new uh, episode of Spaces that's coming out in about three weeks. And I get to use my switcher. Hey, do you want to know what we've been up to? So that's uh, that's coming out, as I said, in about three to four weeks. It all depends on you know, how long it's going to take to color a almost 90-minute episode. And it, it's a fast 90 because we go literally around the world. It's Okay, now that just makes me going to go outside again. <laughs> Your life is so much more fun than mine, Mike. That's I'm sitting like, wow, we just sit in rooms. Oh, my God. <laughs> but do you see why I had a hard time being in a closet? Oh. Like, I, I just wanted to be free. <laughs> but if Mike had to do that teaser now, it would just be like 500 camera angles of that same room he's sitting in. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It'd be this. Right, there you go. <laughs> it, would, it would be like the Democratic Convention with all the little Zoom squares of people applauding. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> America, right. One person at a time. Yeah. All right, gang. Well, from myself, uh, if you, uh, well, before that, if you have any comments or questions, you can reach us at audio at nowcastnetwork.com. That's audio at nowcastnetworks.com. And uh, if you want to send us an email or send us a link, we do read it and we respond, obviously. So for myself and all the guys, thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next time. Time to send for that mail-in ballot, Joanne. Thanks for listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and Wireworld Pro Audio. The Audio Nowcast is hosted by Mike Rodriguez and features a panel with Rob Arbitier, Bobby Osinski, Scott Gershon, Nick Peck, Diego Stucco, Brandon Birdside, Martin Page, Bobby Summerfield, and maybe a guest or two. We'll see you next time. <laughs>